Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish, where we join together to explore divine keys for a better life. This week's Torah portion opens with the verse, These are the numbers of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, which was counted by the command of Moses, the work of the Levites, under Ithamar, the son of Aharon the Kohen. In Jewish mysticism, the entire daily prayer service is spelled out in this verse. I'll break the verse up piece by piece through the prayer service. Numbers of the Tabernacle This is the lower unity of the second verse of the Shema. Bless plea the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Tabernacle of the Testimony this refers to the higher unity of the first verse of Shema. Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. Work of the Levites. This refers to the ebb and flow ascent of the preparatory verses of praise portion of the prayer service. Itamar. This refers to the post-prayer Torah study. The son of Aharon the Kohen, this refers to the empowerment of the great love. Yes, don't worry, I'm going to define all of this. I just wanted to sh first share with you exactly how Jewish mysticism sees this verse piece by piece, fragment by fragment of the verse, referring to different parts of the daily prayer service. Now, the primary focus of this lecture is going to be on the numbers of the tabernacle, the lower unity, and the tabernacle of the testimony, which is the higher unity. However, I will first briefly explain the entire daily prayer service as it is laid out before us in this verse. In the mystical teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, the primary focus of prayer is found in the definition of the Hebrew word for prayer, which is tefillah, which is extrapolated from the biblical word used for connected, tefel. Jacob's ladder represents the journey of ascent from the physical paradigm of separation to the heavenly paradigm of unity. Jacob's ladder is the journey of prayer. Thus, prayer is the journey of getting connected to God. On the simple level of connection, prayer is us asking God for our needs, connecting with the truism that God alone provides us with life, sustenance, and with all of our needs. On the mystical layer level, Prayer is all about breaking free from the egocentric paradigm of being stuck in separatism from God and entering into the truism of oneness in which God is everything and everything is God. Therefore, in this verse, we speak of the verse Shema, the higher unity, and the verse Blessed Be He, the lower unity, as being the pinnacle of the prayer service and the rest of prayer all being pre 
or post this pinnacle of the bifocal unity layers of Shema. I want to just note in other teachings we focus on the Amida prayer being even higher than the Shema. However, in this teaching we speak of the pinnacle of prayer being the Shema. So, let us briefly go through the pre and the post Shema and then we can focus on the Shema unities themselves. Prior to the Shema process of the prayer service, we have the portion of prayer called Pesuke de Zimra, verses of praise. In this verse, it is stated as, I quote, the work of the Levites. And in the mystical teachings, this is defined as the ebb and flow ascent of the verses of praise. The reason why it is defined as both the ebb and the flow ascent is because this portion serves as a double leg of the prayer journey. Simply speaking, this portion is primarily made up of psalms speaking of how the world and all the individual creations of the world each sing praise to God. The sages instituted this into our prayer to help in our paradigm shift from egocentrism to theocentrism. This is the simple purpose of this portion of the prayer to arouse and develop within the individual a yearning for God. Now according to Kabbalah and Hasidis, the Hebrew word for praise, which is Zimra, Psuke de Zimra, verses of praise, Zimra means praise, is also connected with the Hebrew word for pruning, as in cutting away the weed and dead branches of a tree. As it says, lezamer aritzim, to prune. The second purpose of this portion of the prayer, which is now called the verses of pruning, is to cut away the klipa forces, the evil forces that hold us captive, that keep us stuck in the egocentric paradigm. Thus, this elevation service of the, of the Levites, the verses of praise slash pruning portion of the prayer journey, enables us to open up and to elevate our paradigm to the doorstep of the Shema unity layers. Now let's jump to the post-Shema. The post-Shema prayer service is the experience of Ithamar, right? That's what the verse says, Ithamar, the son of Aharon the Kohen. Ithamar means let us say in an it is said fashion. This means that it is being said with total transparency to the source of what is being said without the rough ego ownership fingerprints of the person presently repeating what is being said. Confusing, right? I guess. So allow me to explain. In the Torah, Moses was being attacked for what he said in making certain appointments of leadership amongst the Jewish people. Moses, res Moses responded concerning Aharon and himself with, and I quote, 
and we are but what? Moses was saying that in actuality he alone was saying nothing. Rather, he was just delivering the word of God, Itamar. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, this is the desired experience of post-prayer Torah study. The Talmud uses the word Itmar all the time to introduce a new teaching. The mystical secret behind this is that the truest form of Torah study, the study of God's word, is only when we can truly perceive the, the Anachnu Mah, and we are but what? Then we are removing our egocentric motives from our Torah study and truly opening ourselves up to study the Torah that God gave us. This selfless form of Torah study is the desired post-prayer experience. This is the reason why after we say the verse of Shema and the verse of the blessed be his glory, we go on to read the paragraph of and you shall love God which goes on to say, and it will be that these words that I command you, which is the Torah, and you shall teach it to your children, and you shall speak of them when you lay down and when you arise. The reason why we go on straight from the Shema and the Baruch Shem into reading this paragraph is because the desired post-Shema step is Itamar, selfless Torah study. And now we go on to understand the words of the verse, the son of Aharon the Kohen. In the mystical teachings of how to love God, there are two levels mentioned in the different blessings of Shema, portion of the Shema process. One is called Ahavat Olam, and the other is called Ahava Rabbah. The Hebrew word olam means world, but the word olam is also used as forever. You may recognize this from the words leolam va'ed, forever and ever. Thus, the simple meaning of the words ahavat olam ahavtanu in this blessing means with everlasting love, you have loved us, God. Kabbalah and Hasidus define this terminology of Ahavat Olam to mean with a worldly love we love you. Remember the word Olam also means world. Ahavat Olam, worldly love. With a worldly love we love you, God. What this means is that for the human mind to create, arouse, and nurture a love for God, we must first understand concentrate and meditate upon God's goodness. We have no form, uh, no other form, of intellectually grasping and digesting food for loving God than to study and understand God's relationship with creation. Thus, this love for God comes to us through us learning, understanding, concentrating, meditating, and then personalizing God through God's relationship with the world. 
This is what Jewish mysticism refers to as Ahavat Olam, a worldly love, a love that we have for God extrapolated from our understanding of the world's existence and its relationship with God, Ahavat Olam. However, the universe is finite, our mind is finite, our mind's perception of God through the universe is finite, and thus, Ahavat Olam is a finite love. The second love is called Ahava Rabah, which means great love. This is an infinite love. This love cannot be attained by the human mind on its own accord through its own work. Rather, the great love, which is infinite, must be given to us from above as a gift. In the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, there are specific personalities who serve as conduits, each for a different specific gift from above. Aharon, defined by our sages as the lover of peace, the pursuer of peace, and as the one who loved all creations, he is the conduit for the gift of love, the gift of the infinite great love. What we need to explore tonight is that the mystical teaching on this verse defines the words the son of Aharon the Kohen as the empowerment to experiencing the lower unity. Now the gift of the great love is the empowerment of the higher and greater experience. If so, it should be the empowerment of the higher unity. So why does the Kabbalistic teaching on this verse end with telling us that the son of Aharon the Kohen, which refers to the Ahava Rabbah, the great love, is to empower us to be able to experience the lower unity rather than it empowering us to experience the higher unity. What now becomes clear to us is that there is something about the lower unity that is greater than the higher unity. In other words, there is something more precious about the Saturday night Havdalah service through which we leave the Shabbat higher unity into the weekday lower unity than there is to the Friday night Kiddush service through which we leave the weekdays into the Holy Shabbat. Understanding this, understanding what makes the Saturday night Havdalah service more precious and beautiful than the Friday night Kiddush service is the goal of our lecture. Now, let us approach the Shema unity layers, both the higher unity layer of the verse Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hero Israel, God is our God, God is one, and the lower unity of the verse Baruch Shem Kivod, Malchuto Le'olam Va'ed, Blessed be the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Often you hear me speak of the two paradigms as if the lower paradigm, our human paradigm, is false 
as it being nothing more than a mere deception created only to make possible true freedom of choice. It seems to sound like the primary purpose of mankind is to break free from this false lower paradigm and to embrace the only true paradigm which is the higher paradigm of God is everything and everything is God. This, however, is not the case at all. Jewish mysticism speaks of a higher and a lower paradigm, not of a true and a false paradigm. They're both tr true. The verse states, Kel deot Hashem, for a God of knowledges is God. In English, it is incorrect to add an S to the word knowledge in order to make it plural. However, in Hebrew, there is dea, the singular form of knowledge, and deot, the plural form of knowledge. The verse here states, kel deot Hashem. For us, in this lecture, we will refer to the deot of this verse not as knowledges, but specifically as paradigms. God is a God of two paradigms, the minimum number for plural being two. There is the higher paradigm, which is that of the higher unity, and there is the lower paradigm, which is that of the lower unity. And both of these paradigms, albeit paradoxical to each other, are both true paradigms. The secret behind both ends of this paradox being true is because God did create the world, not a deception, but a true and real world, while on the other hand, the verse states, you were the same before the world was created, you are the same since the world has been created, with absolutely no change at all. Thus, the world with its paradigm is true unto God, it's a real creation created by God, and the primordial paradigm of before the world was created yet remains also true. Thus, I would like to present these two paradigms of unity as simply being bifocal lenses through which the truth is seen in two ways two true ways. In the lower paradigm, the, par the truism of God is everything and everything is God is perceived as without God there is nothing. These may seem as two synonymous statements. Let's hear them again. God is everything and everything is God. That's one statement. Without God, there is nothing. That's the second statement. They both seem to be two synonymous statements. And in the lower paradigm, they are synonymous statements. However, the point of difference between the two statements is that true, without God, there is nothing. However, with God, is there something? In the paradigm of God is everything and everything is God, there is no something other than God, even if God made it to be. From the higher primordial paradigm, nothing but God exists. If it exists, 
It is a piece of God, period. However, from the lower postmortial paradigm, now I just want to say, post postmortial is a word I will coin for this lecture. I don't think it's a real word. So, from the lower postmortial paradigm, the answer is that while nothing can exist without God, however, God created the universe to be, and thus, with God, we do exist as creations to a creator. By definition, the universe's paradigm, which starts with it already existing and it's seeking its source, definition, and purpose, the only paradigm that can exist is the lower paradigm and the lower unity. The lower paradigm is the only reality of a postmortal creation in his truism of God is everything and everything is God. Thus, he was created by God and without God he could not exist. However, with God creating him, he does exist. This is the meaning behind the second verse of the Shema. Blessed be the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Here in this verse, we already speak of God's kingdom, which exists once God created the universe. Thus, in short, the lower unity is that the universe does exist because God created it to exist. However, without God, it would not exist. This is a true paradigm. Now let's look at the higher paradigm. In the higher paradigm, the truism of God is everything and everything is God is to be literally interpreted that God is everything. There is no universe in existence other than it being an extension of God's existence. There simply is no creator and creation. Rather, there is only creator who extends to eternity and beyond. This is the higher unity of the verse. Hear, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. We speak here in this verse of the word one, God is one, in the sense of the only one that exists. This paradigm cannot be grasped by the postmortal human mind and exist only within the primordial soul, which is truly a piece of God. These two paradigms represent the Shabbat paradigm and the weekday paradigm on both the supernal and on the human level. On the supernal level, throughout the entire story of the Genesis, the name of God used 32 times is Elohim. The name Elohim is the lower name of God, which serves as the relationship name with creation. Concerning Shabbat, the verse says, I quote, See that Havaya, that's the ineffable tetragrammaton, has given you the Shabbat. The name here, when we speak of Shabbat, is the ineffable tetragrammaton, the higher unity paradigm, the Shabbat paradigm. On the human level of Shabbat and the weekdays, 
the Shabbat paradigm is the higher unity in the sense that one may not do any mundane work, for it is the day unto God, higher unity. The weekdays are the lower unity. In the weekdays we do work. Yes, our work must be filled with, and I quote from the ethics of our fathers, and all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven, and I quote King Solomon from Proverbs, in all your ways know him. However, we do work. The reason for this, the weekdays are the lower unity experience in which we do exist and we do work. However, without working for the service of God, our service has no meaning or purpose. This is the lower paradigm of the weekdays, while the higher paradigm of Shabbat does not tolerate any mundane work at all. It's prohibited to work. It is a day unto God, the higher unity. These two paradigms of Shabbat and the weekdays are also the reason behind why on Shabbat we are called Yisrael, Israel. And concerning Saturday night, right as we leave the Shabbat into the weekdays, the verse states, Altira Avdi Yaakov, fear not, my servant Jacob. The name Israel represents how we are the children of God, an extension to God's existence, the higher unity of Shabbat. While the name Jacob refers to how we are the servants of God, serving in God's kingdom, the lower unity of the weekday paradigm. Leaving Shabbat from the higher unity paradigm, we need comforting and empowerment from God as we descend into the weekday lower paradigm. Thus, the prophet comforts us. Fear not, my servant Jacob. Now we can understand the closing of the teaching that Aharon the Kohen, the great love, Ahavarabah, the conduit of the great love, is here to empower us in order that we be able to fulfill the service of the lower unity, precisely the lower unity, not the higher unity. God's deepest desire in creating the world, even beyond the desire of having our Shabbat soul impose the 613 commandments upon our body, our weekday body, is to have our weekday body, my servant Jacob, to experience and all your deeds should be for the sake of heaven and in all your ways know him. We are speaking here of your actions and ways, the postmortal body's lower paradigm way. Let me just elaborate for a moment here. What I am saying here is that the 613 commandments are the higher unity paradigm of God, that which the soul receives and imposes upon the body. However, those two statements of in all your actions, in all your ways, you should know God and serve God, the emphasis here in the word your actions, your ways, is that we're not talking about God's 613 commandments, the soul paradigm. We're talking about the body, the body's ways, the body's paradigm, 
your action, your ways. And when we, the servant Jacob, can find God and dedicate to God even in our mundane ways and actions, this is the lower paradigm way. This is more precious to God than even when we fulfill His higher paradigm soul 613 commandments. Because our body's way, our lower paradigm, this is our gift to God. And it is most precious to God. It is God's deepest desire. And for this alone, for this lower paradigm way, for the weekday ways, God showers upon us the gift of the great love that we each become the son of Aharon the Kohen. In closing, I believe that the message here is quite an amazing one in understanding our relationship with God. We, the people, the postmortal creation, we yearn most of all to have a higher Shabbat unity with God. While God, who was, is, and always will be, cherishes most of all our day-to-day lower unity relationship with Him. Said in a more romantic way, relationships aren't about how high they reach. Rather, relationships are more about how deep they run. I'd like to say that romantic thing again. Relationships aren't about how high they reach. Rather, relationships are more about how deep they run. This is why the depths of Havdalah services, the great love which goes with us into the weekdays, is far more precious and beautiful to God than the heights of the Kiddush service which ushers us into the Shabbat. So, one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within your higher conscience.